Hey everybody, how are you doing? I suppose you probably noticed that I took last week off. The reason for that is because the subject this week is a little bit difficult for me because there's so much to be said and it's one of those subjects where there's not much information available to us and so a lot of it is well really technically it's conjecture um, in, in, in a lot of cases it doesn't mean that we don't know anything about angels but it does mean that we have to be very careful because it's really easy to fall into that area of tradition and superstition for me for myself the best way in approaching scripture it's like being a detective and so i go through the bible and i try to find clues as i go and so this subject is a bit difficult because there aren't that many clues what we have to do to start with is we have to understand that the word angel in the greek and hebrew language simply means a messenger so that makes it kind of difficult to nail down what an actual quote-unquote angel is. So we have a number of clues along the way that indicate to us that there are demonic messengers and divine messengers. But yet there's other areas that seem to indicate that a human can be an angel or a messenger. Hebrews 13, it says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That could mean that that stranger was a divine messenger, or it could mean that it was just a person who was being a messenger of God. And I don't know that we really know for sure um, in, that, in that case. That word angel in the Greek can also be interpreted as a pastor. So there's a little bit of, you know, it's it's not super clear right there. Now in Genesis 24, he talks about angels going ahead of him and preparing his way. And that's very obviously a supernatural thing. And in that case, the translation of the word is a deputy or a messenger specifically of God. And then we see that same kind of thing in Exodus 23. It says, My angel will go before you, and he will bring you in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So the angel is actually doing something supernatural and powerful in a case like that. And then again, in, in the New Testament, Paul, when he's being shipwrecked, he says, There stood by me this night the angel of God. And he said, Fear not, Paul. You have to go to see Caesar. And so God is protecting you and has given you, in other words, I'm going to protect everybody that is sailing with you. That's in Acts 27. Going back to the Old Testament real quick. Uh, not real quick. Um, we're just going back to the Old Testament. Anyway, there's a story about Manoah and his wife, and they saw some pretty amazing things. And they find out in that case that, well, I'll just read it to you. The woman came and she told her husband and said, a man of God came to me and his countenance, the way he looked was like 
an angel of God, very terrible. And so then the angel of God came again, and Manoah said to the angel, hang on a minute, let us make you some supper. And um, the angel said, well, you can make supper for me if you want, but I'm not going to eat it. And so then Manoah says, what is your name? But the angel said, why are you asking about my name? My name is secret. You don't get to know my name. Well, that's interesting. But now you go you go forward in time into the New Testament and into other other writings, prophetic writings, and we find out that Michael, we know his name, and Gabriel, we know their name. So not all angels' names are secret, obviously. In Luke chapter 1, when it's talking about the story of Jesus, we get to find out about the angel Gabriel. And he says that he stands in the presence of God and he is sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings, it says. So through all of that, then we can get this understanding that angels, good angels, speak for God on his behalf. They're a messenger of God. But, now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church there in the 11th chapter, and he says, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That lets us know that just because some shiny being shows up in your room doesn't necessarily mean that he's from God. It takes a little more than just accepting that everything supernatural is good. And so we have to use a little bit of discernment there and listen to what they're saying and make sure it fits with Scripture. Because obviously Satan can show up and pretend to be an angel, a messenger of God, but he's not. And we should never be afraid of demonic beings. In 1 Corinthians, uh, a little bit earlier from the other verse in chapter 6, it says that we, as children of God, will judge angels. That's pretty interesting, and I don't really know for sure what that's going to look like, but that seems pretty significant. I kind of feel like the the summary of all of that is that we have to be able to trust that those angels are working for God and working in our best interest. And if you have an experience where you're encountering angels— we just have to be careful in those kinds of situations that you're able to tell whether or not he's a good messenger or a bad messenger. You may remember the story I told you about the voice that I, I could hear in my mind. And I sort of feel like that was a bad messenger at the time. And you remember that I told it to leave. And it said, I don't have to leave. But yet, even though it said that, it still left because it has no authority over the children of God and it and has to obey the word of God. And that's really, when, when we're talking about using the word of God, that's what we mean is that we're saying what God says and then he enforces what he said. And, of course, that's all a different subject that we'll probably have to discuss at a different time. Otherwise, I'll go on and on and on about this and we'll never get to the end.
pushing through the bad window, walking into this dark saloon. Not a soul to be seen. Cobwebs and ghosts on the room and rule the streets. It seems boot heels kicking dust and spurs sing their jingle theme. Ghost town dreaming and I'm drinking alone. Missing you and finding no one more. I'm wishing for another life, but here I am. Dusty, dark, and sinking, breaking down to the bone. Walking across the dusty room Ghosts and spiders stare Not a soul is really there They're watching from the corners As this stranger dare Boot heels kicking dust But no one really Town dreaming, and I'm drinking alone. Missing you and finding no one home. I'm wishing for another life, but here I am. I'm dusty, dark, and sinking, breaking down to the bone. What do you have, he asks Whiskey, I say, as I turn the shot Glass around My laugh rings out, sad and lone And echoes back Sounds so loud in the silent town Standing in the bar of But hanging around in this old ghost town Won't get me anywhere but dead Kicking dust and drinking rust Will never get me out of my own head Slam the door and ride on out of This old dusty ghost town Back on the horse Headed out of town, the lost has been found. Slam the door and ride out of this old ghost town. Back on the horse, headed out of town, the lost has been found. Headed out of town, the lost. Has been 
I did have another experience on the subject of angels at one point in time. I saw the verse in Scripture that says that the angels work for the children of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, He makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. And then he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And at the time, I kind of took that to mean that I could tell the angels what to do. And I, I sort of feel like God used that as a teaching experience for me. So what I did, and obviously I'm not telling you you should do this. I'm just saying this is what I did. But what I started doing was is that I started directing the angels to do certain things. And so in the morning, sometimes I would say, all right, I want three angels to go with my daughter to school and and keep an eye on her and take care of her. And, and then I would say, and I want, you know, a group of angels to watch over this house and protect it and so on. And you already know where we're going with this. So then I, I started to notice that some things were falling through the cracks and that I was either forgetting about some situations and so I didn't tell an angel to take care of that or whatever. And I noticed that I couldn't really keep up with all of that. And and so I learned the lesson through that, that they are God's angels. And what I have to do is turn that over to him and get back into that place of resting in my father and knowing that my father wants me taken care of. And he's the one who will instruct the angels to minister on my behalf. And that's really that's really the point of all of that, is that we know that we have help, even if we can't see it. You know, there's the verse that in the story of Elisha in Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha prays for his servant, and he says, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And so then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And in verse 16, Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than they that be with them. Even though they couldn't see them, they were there. And Elisha knew that he had all the help he needed to do what God wanted him to do. And that's our situation is that we can rest in our relationship with God. He's our father. He's our daddy. He's the one who cares about us more than we care about ourselves. And as we rest in him and follow his guidance, he has these other ministers who are doing things on our behalf as we cast that care. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Why do I always come back to that verse? First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. All right. Moving on. Lastly, because of the things that are going on in our politics today and with the Supreme Court making a ruling about gun control, I just want to briefly touch on that subject. Many of you know that 
I could go on for hours and hours, and I'm not going to do that, I promise. But I do want to just mention a couple of things that people may not understand. To be clear, in the beginning of America, the whole point of Second Amendment was for the people to be able to defend themselves against their own government if they had to, and against people who would come in to take away their freedom. This was understood by the founders that free people must be able to defend themselves against bad people. That's the purpose for the Second Amendment. It is in order to be able to enforce the First Amendment, which was that the government cannot take away from you your right to speak your mind. The whole point of the Bill of Rights, and this is where the founders really were concerned that we would get to where we are, which is a lot of people feel like the government has given us these rights. The founders specifically were concerned that that was going to happen. The Bill of Rights and the Constitution do not give us anything. They don't give us these rights. What our founders in America said was, these are your rights. And no one can take them away from you unless you let them. And so the, the Constitution says the government is not allowed to take these rights away from you. It wasn't that the government gave you the right. It was that the government was not allowed to take away from you the right. And so you have the right of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You have the right of the freedom of press and the freedom from unreasonable search and seizure and the right to defend yourself against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is a natural right given to you by God, is what the founders of America believed. And the whole point and purpose for the Constitution was to limit the government because they had just seen what a king could do. The king had tried to control the colonies and tell them what they could and couldn't do. And they said, no, we don't want that. We want to move on to a place where free men can be in a situation where we can run our own lives without being told what to do by a huge government. And in the 21st century, we have now come to this place where we are being told what to do by a huge government. Gun control in America began, uh, at least from my understanding, the beginnings of it started during the 60s because of the Black Panther movement. And in California, the Black Panthers began following the police around the city to be sure that they weren't abusing other black people. And so as a result, and of course this goes back to the Civil War and before, when the KKK and other forces wanted to take guns away from black people, it's the same thing happened in California where they said, we don't want these dangerous people following our cops around, which you can understand that, and it seemed reasonable. It does seem reasonable. You don't want somebody with a gun hanging around where cops are because then the cops have to have in the back of their mind, they might get shot. And so, as a result, this sounded reasonable to people. And so they started making these laws that said you can't just carry a gun unless you're a certain person. 
And, of course, the Black Panthers made it worse because then, from what I understand, the story that I, that I heard was that they entered into the halls of, of government packing heat. And in that process, you know, then the, the law was that that was, that was an area that was gun-free and you couldn't pack heat in that space. And so those people had to be evicted and it became a huge big deal and somebody got shot eventually over that and and it just made it even worse. And so then the government used that as an excuse to start stretching these rules over everyone, which is what they always do. Government always wants to limit the power of the people that they are ruling because rulers always want to do what they do without hindrance. And really the whole point of our Constitution, as I said, is this is what the government's not supposed to do. And I realize, uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm not going to be able to cover every nuance of this situation. I'm just giving you a very, very broad overview. But the point, in my mind, is that people should be able to defend themselves. And that's why Colt invented the pistol that he did, and that's why they called it a peacemaker, because it was the great, quote-unquote, the great equalizer, so that a woman or a child or a person who would normally be defenseless suddenly had the ability to defend themselves. That was the whole point for the gun. The gun was not invented to randomly kill people. The invention was for the good of mankind so that weaker people could defend themselves against stronger people. Somebody back in history decided that if you have a stick and I have a stick, then we probably won't use them against each other. And if you have a rock and I have a rock, then you're not going to take advantage of me. And then when gunpowder was invented and people figured out that they could poke holes in each other from a distance, they said, we don't want bad people poking holes in us, so we need to be able to poke holes in them if they try. So here we are. We're never going to get to a situation where we don't have to defend ourselves from bad people. It's just not going to happen. Everybody knows that. Cain killed Abel, we assume, with a rock. And it's going to keep going on until Jesus comes back and the whole thing becomes heaven on earth. And so for the moment, the whole point to America's Second Amendment is that we have this ability to defend ourselves against each other and against a government that tries to take away our God-given rights. And it's really that simple. Everybody wants to make it into this complicated thing. You can't stop all guns. You can't take all guns and push them off into the ocean. It's not going to happen. Just get that out of your mind. It's not going to happen. Even if you got rid of every gun in the world, obviously, people would still be able to hurt each other, and they will. It's sad, I agree, that people have to be able to defend themselves against bad people with guns. That is sad, but it is a fact. It's like dark at night and water is wet. 
It is a fact of life, and no matter how much you don't want it to be, it is. All right, I'm sorry. I will stop beating that dead horse, but I just thought it would was important to share with you some of my feelings. As I said, this is just a broad overview, and if you want to discuss anything in greater detail, you know where you can find me, oldsmithmusic at gmail.com. That's old without the E, O-L-D, S-M-I-T-H-M-U-S-I-C at gmail.com. Send me an email. Tell me um, what you think. I'd love to hear what you think. Let's have a discussion. All right. I will see you all next week. And be blessed. Rate and review the podcast. And tell your friends about it. The more the merrier. See you next Friday. Bye-bye.